please stand with me. Together we will read two New City Catechism questions this morning. Question 21. What sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? One who is truly human and also truly God. Isaiah 9.6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Question 22. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? That in human nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin, and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The word of God for the people of God. I'm glad each one of you are here today, and welcome to Grace Harvest Church. We've been going through um, Tim and Kathy Keller's New City Catechism, beginning of the year. It teaches basically the basic doctrines of the church and just builds in us a great foundation. I appreciate Tom Hall speaking last week in Hebrews chapter 2, and if you noticed, one of the verses uh, came out of Hebrews chapter 2, and so we'll look at the rest of that chapter more thoroughly today. But our focus today is on the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, that Jesus had to be truly God and truly man. And the next two questions, which one we got in today, was why must the Redeemer be truly human? We're going to look at that one and focus on that. And next week, the question is why must the Redeemer be truly God? So we'll look at that next week. So this one, why must the Redeemer be truly human? Looking at Jesus' humanity. First, we want to see briefly that in question 21, what sort of Redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? One who is truly human and also truly God. It's a very important question because there were all kinds of religions and looking at the gods, the Greek and Roman gods were kind of part human, uh, part God, and there was all these things. And so they really needed to define in Christianity what it meant that Jesus came as God to redeem us as a man. So focusing on that he is God and man, we read Isaiah 9 and 6. If you look at this prophecy of of Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. So you see that The answer for humanity's ills was going to be a child born, a human. A human was going to come that was going to solve, you know, the ills of humanity. We needed this Jesus to come. And so Isaiah is prophesying that it will be a child born, a son given. Really speaking of his humanity, but in the same continued sentence, It says the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. And when it starts talking about his names, his names aren't very human-like. 
They are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so you have this unique redeemer who will come who is truly human, a child born, but also truly God, the mighty God. So it was very uh, uh, profound in this statement what this Messiah would look like, this Jesus, this Redeemer. How will he be all God and all man? It's interesting, uh, Augustine had a quote, he said that this Redeemer would be begotten by the Father, that he was not made by the Father, he was made in the Mother whom he himself had made so that he might exist here for a while, sprung from her who could never and nowhere have existed except through his power. Think of that. Jesus is wrapped up within the womb of the woman that he created because all things were created through him. And so we look at the wonder of Jesus being all man and all God. And that scripture in Isaiah is, is a beautiful look at it. Our next question, question was, why must our Redeemer uh, be true, truly human? And when we read the scripture out of Hebrews 2.17, we saw that the, the, Redeemer, that G, the Redeemer had to be made in every aspect like humans. And this whole chapter is very beautiful, and, it's, uh, and it continues where Tom left off last week with Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. And so in the scriptures, we have this Hebrews chapter 2, and I want to read the, the whole part of the text of Hebrews 2. My notes here. I want to look at specifically the Redeemer being truly human. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell you of their name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. 
Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to come to those who are being tempted. And that's the rest of Hebrews chapter 2 that works around the scripture that Keeley read this morning in verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God and to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So made like his brothers in every respect. Jesus had to be made human in every respect like you. It is very important we see from this text that he had to be human and it couldn't be an angel. Couldn't be angels. Hebrews is big on this. In chapter 1, it talked about the angels and that Jesus was superior to the angels. And then in Hebrews 2.14, it said that since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. He had to partake of the same things of flesh and blood like us. He had to be made human. The NIV puts it very clearly, helps break it down a little clearer. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus had to share in our humanity. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? He must be human to share in our humanity. And he must do it because he had to relate to humanity. Angels couldn't do it. Hebrews 2.16 said, For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He helps humans. And so it could not be the angels that he was coming to help. An angel would have to rescue angels. But Jesus became a man to rescue humanity. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect. NIV again said, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. To rescue humanity, Jesus had to become human. It's interesting that God prepared the lake of fire for fallen angels, but for fallen humanity, he planned for a redeemer. Aren't you glad? Woo! Amen. Uh, Jesus was talking about separating the sheep and the goat, goats in Matthew 25. In verse 41, he said, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you were who cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He prepared the lake of fire for the devil and his angels, but he prepared a redeemer for humanity to become fully human to rescue humans out of their fallenness. So not angels, but humans he saves. And to save humans, he had to be fully human in every way. 
What a sacrificial step to take. We talked a little bit about that last week. The sacrifice of Jesus on his sublime throne to all of a sudden be laid in a manger. The word of God made flesh, submitting to being fully human, undergoing human temptations, suffering under human pain, under human grief, under human darkness that descended upon him upon the cross, and then ultimately suffering as a human all the way to death itself. Jesus humbled himself in that manner. He became fully human. And he did it in order to die our death. There was a sacrificial system, bulls and goats sacrificed, but they could never satisfy our fallenness. It was, ta- it was going to take a human dying in our place. Our Redeemer had to be human in order to die on our behalf. Why must our, our Redeemer be truly human? He must be truly human in order to die on our behalf. Hebrews 2.7 said that you made him a little lower than the angels. And yet, in Hebrews 1, the whole chapter is about Jesus being superior to angels. Hebrews 2.13 says, He also says, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? So he's exalting who Jesus is above the angels. He didn't say that to any of the angels. He said it to his his son. Hebrews 2.5 says, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. To which of the angels did he ever say that? To none of them. He said it to his son. And to his son he would make all his enemies, a footstool for his feet. So he is superior to the angels, and yet for a little while, Hebrews 2 says, he was made lower than the angels. Hebrews 2.9 goes on to say, we see him for a little while who was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So in order to die Our death, he had to be fully human. He had to be made even lower than the angels, this Jesus. Suffering of death so that by the grace of God, listen to what Jesus would do, he might taste death for everyone. Fully taste death. I mean, taste death like you would taste death. Suffer. He was made truly human in order to taste death for everyone. And that sentence that was in The Garden of Eden for the disobedience that was given to Adam and Eve was death. In the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And that sentence of death, Jesus became human as the second Adam and suffered our death for us. God's just judgment for our rebellion, for humanity's rebellion, the wages of sin is death. And our Redeemer had to become human to suffer and die in our place as a human being. Hebrews 10, 4 through 6 said, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. See, Jesus had to become a human body. He had to come down and suffer because it was impossible for the body of blood, the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. 
They couldn't stand in for your human body. Hebrews 10.14 concludes that little portion of Scripture by saying, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, Jesus accomplished it. Uh, no, no, no other uh, uh, sacrifice could, could accomplish it. The blood of bulls and goats, it was impossible for them to take away sins. But the blood and the body of Jesus could take away sins. Another thing we see in this text is that Jesus needed to be truly human, human to make us holy. Hebrews 2, 10 through 11 says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, so it's talking about this Jesus who is, who is God, we're not focusing on that part, but in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. He's making his people perfect through his suffering. Verse 11 says, For he sanctifies, and that's make holy, those who are, sanct- are being sanctified all have one source. They have one source because he became a human, and we're humans, and there's one family, one source that he redeems. Again, the NIV makes it clear. He says, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. That's humanity, the human family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed. Not only is he not ashamed, he sounds excited about it here, being able to be made human and to be able to call the likes of you and me his brothers and sisters. That commitment to come down and be made human, our Redeemer that was truly human. So in order to make us holy, Jesus, the Holy One, had to be human. He made Jesus perfect through suffering. Jesus was already perfect, but Jesus was already perfect and without sin, yet Jesus suffered to be perfectly suited to make his people holy. See, now he can identify with you in every way as a human. So he's made the perfect high priest for you. It's not that he wasn't already perfect, but now he is the perfect human man. That's what I ended up titling this. You know, not just that he is truly human, but he is that perfect man to make you the perfect man in, in his inheritance. We will be made like him, glorified like him. So he does that. He justifies us from the penalty of sin. Not only does he justify us and take away our sin, but in our continued struggle with sin, he sanctifies us by helping us overcome sin that still comes against us in our everyday life. And he can relate with you. He can relate with your struggle against sin because he was a human who underwent the temptation of the very sins that you're going through. And he can come through and rescue you. He came to sanctify you, to set you apart from this world, to make you holy. And he alone, being made human, is able to do it. What a redeemer we have in Jesus. Jesus came to be truly human, to make us holy. He came to make us his true brothers and sisters. You heard that in Hebrews 2.11. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. 
we're not just brothers and sisters with each other. We're brothers and sisters of Christ, the ultimate man, the ultimate human that God sent in His only begotten Son. This is a real relationship. Jesus is your elder brother. All who believe He is our elder big brother. He is a human exalted. We read in Timothy, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. It's a man that stands in between you and God and reconciles you to God. This is our Redeemer, and He joyfully calls you His brother and sister. And we like calling each other, hey brother, hey sister, you know, in the Lord. And that's great. That bond flows out of the fact that Jesus became human and he, we're brothers and sisters to him. That's what we're united in. That's why the scripture in Hebrews 2 goes on to say in verse 12 and 13, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. You almost see like this joy in Jesus rejoicing that he can call you his family, his brothers and sisters. And we see that this Redeemer would destroy death. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Death came because of sin, and Jesus by his death took the punishment for that sin upon himself. The punishment of death for sin into himself. So there is no death left. It's like he absorbed it all. All of the penalty that we deserved, he absorbed in his human body that our human body deserved. He absorbed it in himself, that punishment. And he now, there's nothing left for death for you and me. There's no more punishment for death left for you and me. Isn't that a wonder? Jesus absorbed all the punishment that we deserved into himself, and there's no more left to God to pour out. If you want to say, well, I want to take on some of the punishment for, the, for, for myself, you know, you're degenerating, you know, degrading the, the, the price that Jesus paid by absorbing all the penalty in himself. It cannot be uh, absorbed anymore. We, you know, Jesus alo- alone absorbed the penalty that we deserved into his body and he destroyed death and he destroyed the power of death therefore we can say things like paul in first corinthians oh death where is your sting where is your sting now because it's been the the wages of sin is death and he has absorbed that into himself and destroyed death this is the good news that he told to mary at the death of her brother Lazarus, when he told her in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. They will live again. We will die, but if we believe in Jesus, 
we will live again. Death has lost its venomous sting. It cannot separate us from God anymore. Jesus had, has destroyed death. He is our Redeemer that is truly human. He breaks the power of the devil, it says. Our truly human Redeemer breaks the power of the devil. He destroys the one who has the power of death. That is the devil, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 said. And the devil is the tempter. His desire for you is to sin and to bring you into death. And he knows that the wages of that sin is death. And his desire is to destroy you and to lead you into temptation. And Jesus destroys the devil's works. 1 John 3, 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus, our Redeemer, destroys death and he destroys the works of the devil. Hebrews 2.15 says, And he will deliver all those through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. As believers, we are, fear, we are free from the fear of death. We are different than the world concerning death. We don't grieve as the world grieves with, as without hope. Our hope is in Jesus, our Redeemer, a glorified human being at the right hand of God who we will inherit that same glorified body if we are in Christ. To be, he became fully human to be our perfect high priest. And that's what the scripture concluded on in Hebrews 2, verses 17 through 18. It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To be our perfect high priest, Jesus had to become human. And verse 18 explains it even more. Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to come to those who are being tempted. So Jesus suffered uh, temptation, and Hebrews goes on to explain this a little bit more clearly. In Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. That's what this scripture just said. He himself has suffered when tempted. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are. He's fully human. And it says, yet he did not sin. So though he was tempted, he did not give in and yield to those temptations. The oneness that he had with the Father as a human was never broken like the oneness that Adam had with the Father that was broken in sin. He is that second Adam, that last Adam, that perfect one that God sent to perfectly obey his law, fulfill the holy nature of God in keeping the law, and then go through and be made as a human, endure temptations like you and I endure, and yet go through all that without sin. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? That in human nature, he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law 
and suffer the punishment for human sin and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. We're going to sing a closing song and we're going to take communion together. If you want to begin to find one of these cups in front of you, we're going to sing a song. It's Sing to Jesus. And it proclaims that He's the Lord of our sinful hearts, that He is our great Redeemer. And that's what we're speaking on today, that He is our great Redeemer, who is truly God and truly man. And then He bids us to come to Him, this high priest who can sympathize with all of our struggles, all of our temptations, all of our weariness all of our loneliness. And the song says, Come, you weary, and He will give you rest. Come, you who mourn, lay on His breast. Christ who died, risen in paradise, giver of mercy, giver of life. So come to Jesus, who was all truly God and became truly human so that He could be a high priest who could sympathize with all of your weaknesses. Amen? If you want to take your cup, and the bottom is uh, representative of the bread. And we'll partake together. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Thank you, Lord, for your body. It was a body that you desired. And Jesus fulfilled all that you required of your law in a human body made in our likeness, fully human in every respect, that he might die as a substitute in our place. And we thank you and praise you for the body of Christ. In like manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, given for the remission of your sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me, and remember my death until I come. Let us partake of the cup together. Thank you, Father, for your only begotten Son who became truly human, the perfect man, and who shed his blood to take away our sins, that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats, or any other sacrifice to take away our sins with the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us exalt his name together as our Redeemer, who was truly human. In Jesus' name, amen.